Brady pleads the fifth, the Patriots welcome a new wave, and more on this episode of Patriot Ways. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Patriot Ways by 24-7 Sports here on Facebook Live. I'm your host, Kevin Boylard. In a minute, we'll be joined by Tyler Sullivan of the New England Patriots on 24-7 Sports for the latest on the New England Patriots. All right, so big show today. Tom Brady pled the fifth. What does that mean? Tyler's going to tell us. And also, we'll talk about the draft haul that these Patriots got, the new wave leaders that they've brought in, and also how they've replenished free agency, the players that they've lost in free agency. What I need you to do is vote in this poll right here. Please, we're asking you, is Tom Brady underappreciated? This was the question he refused to answer, whether the Patriots appreciated him as much as he deserves to be. We want to see what you have to say, and we'll be checking in on that poll periodically throughout the show. I also need you to drop your questions for Tyler in the comments section below. We'll be reading your comments throughout the broadcast, and we'll try to get as many of them answered as possible by the end of today's show. And if you don't get your question answered in the comments section, don't worry. We'll be opening up the phone lines at the end of today's show so you can ask whatever's on your mind directly to Tyler. On that note, let's bring in our expert, Tyler Sullivan of the New England Patriots on 24-7 Sports. There he is. Tyler, how's it going? What's going on, Kev? How you doing? Oh, it's going just fine. So let's get your reaction to this poll first. Again, we're asking the fans, is Tom Brady underappreciated? Yes or no? Where do you think the fans will stand on this one? Oh, I think, and I mean, we're already seeing it, but I think it's going to be an overwhelmingly, they think that Tom Brady is underappreciated. They think that he is not being looked at too fondly in the eyes of Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and everybody else running the Patriots. We're seeing some mixed reactions. Right now, you're right. The poll is out to a one-sided start uh, with 50-so people voting yes, he is underappreciated, and 10 saying no, he is not. Looking in the comments section, you're seeing a more split decision. Valerie saying yes, he is underappreciated, and Jason saying hell no. Jennifer agreeing with Jason saying no. The Patriots knew his value, and so does his paycheck. So, Let's talk about this and find some context and maybe come to a resolution here on whether Tom Brady is actually underappreciated or not when it comes to the way he is viewed within the New England Patriots organization. Okay, so yesterday, Tom Brady did a Q&A with Jim Gray of Westwood One, uh, a global conference in Los Angeles, where he famously now said he pleads the fifth when asked whether he feels appreciated as much as he should be. Why did Brady choose to answer this question in such a way? Well, it really is a puzzling one because you would think that, you know, Jim Gray and Tom Brady are pretty close. You know, they've done these Monday Night Football interviews on Westwood One for years now. He, he knows his son's name. He calls him Benny. Like, there is a lot of a relationship there between Jim Gray and Tom Brady. So we knew this question was coming. We knew that he was going to ask. And more importantly, Tom Brady knew that he was going to be asked this question, and he decided to punt on it. To me, it's very calculative. That, to me, says that Tom Brady's trying to send a message. What is that message? To me, I think it has something, as it seems to always do, has something to do with Alex Guerrero, his trainer, business partner, helps run TB12. He is infamously banned from the Patriots as of in the midst of last season. I think this is a not-so-subtle way of him saying, listen, I want my guy back. This is, you know, I don't feel appreciated because this guy's helping me 
be an MVP of the NFL, take your team to the Super Bowl. He is helping me do this, and you're going to take him away from me and not let it be easy enough for us to work together? Well, that's underappreciating right there. Yeah, you mentioned Alex Guerrero, Brady's trainer and business partner. He's one of the big reasons why Brady has remained effective now into his 40s. And Brady, of course, says he wants to play until he's 45. When you look at the impact he's having on Brady's career and also the other players who want to get involved and do some of the methods that Tom Brady has promoted, how can Belichick argue at this point that isolating Guerrero is the best move for the Patriots? Well, to me, I, I do think that it's going to be difficult. This is a fine line. This is something that they had to come up with last year. It was, okay, what is going to happen with Alex Guerrero? Because you had some players, like the elite players, like Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, all of these guys going to Alex Guerrero along with Tom Brady. And then you have the actual training staff, the actual team doctors, and they are completely different methods, completely different. One focuses on pliability. The other does more traditional stuff. And so... I think what Belichick was trying to do was trying to ease the tensions and say, listen, you can't work here. This is where the team doctors work. You go up to TB12, which is right at Patriot Place. It's right up the street. It's not very far. It's right through the complex. You go there. That's where you want to work with Alex Guerrero. So I do think that's what he tried to do last year. But it kind of blew up in his face, especially with his quarterback and the heavy hitters like Rob Gronkowski. So there's something that they have to fix there. A couple of people in the comments I want to highlight. Steve says, for what Brady has done to the t for the team, I'm sure think he's underappreciated. He's cut his salary and done everything he possibly could, and everyone makes a such a big deal of the Garoppolo situation. Let's be honest, New England would have never paid that salary, so yes, he's underappreciated. And then Eddie says, man, this dividing the team with all these underappreciated or something wrong with Brady Belichick crap has got to stop. Do you think that they would play together again if they felt this way? Stop dividing the team. So are we dividing the team or are Brady and Belichick dividing the team? What's going on here? Well, to answer that second question, listen, they're, they're the ones. And, and yes, Tom Brady in that same interview did say that he spoke glowingly of, of Bill Belichick, said he was the greatest coach of all time and all that. To me, that's a little bit of a backtracking aspect to it all. To me, listen, he had an opportunity yesterday to shut the door, to end the narrative. Do you feel appreciated by the Patriots? A simple answer, yes. Just one word, very small little word, just a few letters, three letters. That's all you needed to do to end the narrative. And really, this wouldn't be a story. So for that aspect, listen, he's the one that's continuing this narrative, and it's passive-aggressive, but that's the way it's going. And listen, they're going to play this year. They're going to contend for a Super Bowl. I mean, the over-under in terms of wins, the Patriots are still up top. They're going to contend for a Super Bowl. They're a very talented roster, greatest quarterback of all time, greatest head coach of all time. But... Does it end a little bit sooner than we wanted to, or, or does it make it a little less enjoyable? Yeah, that might be part of it. These guys might be at each other's throats a little bit, and yeah, might not get in front of, in the way of their day job, but still, there is something going on behind the scenes there, and because Brady didn't shut it down, that's why we're talking about it. The Patriots have 132 days to get this figured out. That's when the start of the season occurs on September 9th. How do the Patriots solve this conflict, and is there a resolution where all sides are happy? Well, to, to answer your first question, it, it, they will be fine on the field. This is not something that's going to impact them on the football field. You look at last season, the same stuff was going on. It, you know, you had the Alex Guerrero stripped of his access to the team in the midst of last season. And all of this reports from ESPN and all these other outlets were coming out about their relationship, their fractured relationship. What happened on the field last year? Tom Brady was the MVP. They went to the Super Bowl. I mean, yes, they lost the Super Bowl, but they still went to the freaking Super Bowl. And Tom Brady was your MVP, third time his career has ever done that. 
And Bill Belichick coached a great team, a great season for the Patriots. So it's not going to impact them on the field. I think what people are kind of, you know, looking at it wrong in, in the sense of all of this is that people are, you know, the people in the media and all of us looking at it, and we're at wondering the question, or at least I am, I'll speak for myself, does this issue lower the window? Does it close the window, window a little bit sooner than it could have if everybody's hunky-dory and getting along? If all of a sudden this is, you know, Wonderland and everybody's feeling great and they're all good pals or at least being able to work together in a productive and kind of not, not angst environment, well, then who knows? Maybe they do get five more years out of this thing. But if it's going the way we, we kind of see it going and these guys aren't getting along, well, does that all of a sudden go from five to three? That's the question we're answering. Not that they're going to not be competitive and not contend for Super Bowls, but does this all of a sudden close the window a little bit sooner than it could have if we were all getting along? So continue to vote in that poll at the bottom of your screen. You will see as soon as our guys flip it over, is Brady underappreciated? We want to know what you have to say about that. You guys at home, many of you in the comment section are already letting us know. So I'm looking at the Patriots draft hall, and unless Danny Etling, the QB from LSU that they got in the seventh round, is the next Tom Brady, I don't really see a way that Tom Brady loses his starting job. So to one of the guys who's currently on the roster. So after seeing what the Patriots did in this year's draft, does Brady have more leverage than ever? Well, I mean, I think this all kind of revolves around the same thing, right? We're talking about is Tom Brady appreciated and all of that. I thought this draft, and I said this even before the draft, how the Patriots approached the quarterback position in this draft was going to be extremely telling to how they feel about Tom Brady and his future with the team. The fact that they waited to the seventh round to take a quarterback who's going to compete with Brian Hoyer, not Tom Brady, that to me speaks volumes about Brady. They passed on Lamar Jackson twice. They passed on Kyle Loletta once. They passed on Mason Rudolph. I mean, to me, that would say that they believe that Tom Brady is going to stick around for the long haul, whether that's two years, three years, five years. That's what they believe by going after virtually no quarterback in this draft, the Etling could be the Tom Brady 2.0. Maybe Belichick's trying to outdo himself by drafting the next GOAT in the seventh round as opposed to the sixth. But as things stand right now, that was a ringing endorsement for Tom Brady saying from the team, listen, we believe in you. We think that you are going to stick around for a long time. We're not going to develop a guy until probably next year. We feel like you have at least three more years of MVP Super Bowl contending caliber play. So to me, this draft, was the ringing endorsement of Tom Brady, the ultimate praise of saying, hey, listen, we appreciate you, we believe in you. So that's something that I think needs to be taken into account there. They traded Garoppolo, maybe to the chagrin of the head coach, but they also went in the draft and punted on the quarterbacks. I mean, there was a ton of guys that they looked at. They looked at Baker Mayfield. They looked at Lamar Jackson twice. They had private workouts with Kyle Aletta and Mason Rudolph. They looked at the quarterbacks and ultimately decided, listen, we, we don't necessarily want to go in this direction. We feel like Brady's all set. We can go further uh, and wait another year for him. To me, that spoke volumes about how they feel about Tom Brady, and he should look at that as a victory in his part. Bernardo in the comments section says, the team is divided, let's face it, but the organization is not making it better by doing some of these things. Others give stars what they want, not in New England. Tom Brady has taken pay cuts for the team, which should give him some leeway with Alex Guerrero or let the turmoil continue. Is that the only way this thing gets solved is if the Patriots just back out of the way and let Tom Brady go with Alex? Yeah, it might. And, and this is the thing, too. 
they both have great arguments for wanting certain things. Tom Brady's five Super Bowls, the greatest quarterback of all time. And he feels like Alex Guerrero is a big proponent in him able to achieve all of those things and to make it to all those Super Bowls. So, yes, he wants him there. And from a Bill Belichick standpoint, it is, listen, this guy kind of divides the locker room a little bit. I mean, he's he's all of a sudden telling these other guys to go work with him and out with the trainers, and they're kind of getting mixed signals on how they should be training and how preparing for the, for the NFL season. So I kind of see both sides here from both clubs and from a Garoppolo standpoint, because I do think there is an undertone of, you know, Brady being a little miffed that it felt like Belichick wanted to go to Garoppolo maybe even as early as this upcoming season that he feels a little, you know, underappreciated from that standpoint, to keep using that word. So I do think there is a couple of angst there. This comes down to Robert Kraft. This is where he needs to come in. And I wrote this a, a while back, that this, whatever this is between Brady and Belichick, he needs to come in. This is a very critical juncture in his ownership because it ends how this is going to be perceived, this dynasty. How is it going to end? Is it going to end happily ever after? Or, man... Yeah, I wish it didn't end that way. You know, that's what we're kind of looking at here. So he said they had a meeting. They said they had a, a clearing of the air. Uh, whatever it was, it didn't seem like it worked. They need to get back in there and figure it out. Whether it is Alex Guerrero coming back on this team, which I ultimately think it's going to end up being, or at least to some degree, maybe he's not as limited as he once was, but he still has some restrictions. Whatever the case may be, I think it all revolves around Alex Guerrero coming back. Whether that's good or bad, I think that's what's going to end up happening. The Patriots didn't take a quarterback early. Let's talk about some of the players they did get. Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle, both first-rounders, both captains at Georgia. Linebacker Jawan Bentley, a three-time captain at Purdue. And wide receiver Braxton Berrios, a captain at Miami. Why was drafting players with leadership ex experience so critical to the Patriots this year? I mean, we're talking about it. You know, look at these guys that are on the Patriots roster right now that are leaders, that are legit you know, voices in this locker room. You have Devin McCourty, who is going to be 31 by the start of next season. Clearly on, you know, he's still got great, great time left in the league, but he's on the back nine of his NFL career. I don't think that that's anything to kind of hide there. You have Matthew Slater, another huge voice on this team. He had a little bit of a rocky free agency. I mean, he went and visited the Steelers, his future a little up in the air as to what, what's going to hold for him. Hell, they might not even have that position in a couple of years if they eliminate kickoffs. And then looking at other guys, you have Nate Solder, gone, not, you know, the leader of that team, the starting blindside tackle since 2012, gone. Now he's a member of the New York Giants. Leader in the backfield, Deion Lewis, he's now gone. You have Tom Brady, kind of what's going on with his future, and Rob Gronkowski teased retirement this year. All those guys were either leaders in their respective units or captains on that team with their futures somewhat in doubt. And, and let's not be fools here. It was a rocky season last year from a leadership standpoint. You have a lot of faith maybe being shaken in Bill Belichick because of the Malcolm Butler decision in the Super Bowl. That's still getting criticism. So to me, you bring in some new voices, some fresh faces, some vocal people that are going to toe the line because they're rookies. They're young guys like Sony Michelle, Isaiah Wynn. All of those guys are going to toe company line because they don't know any other way when they're first coming into the league. So that to me seems like a calculative move by Bill Belichick to not only get high character guys and leadership guys, but premier talent that can and also contribute because if they back it up on the field well then people will start listening to them in the locker room they're going to need some of these guys to step up sooner rather than later and when you look at this draft class are there any guys that you can see being potential faces of the franchise when you talk about the next generation of new england patriots 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's tough because they didn't draft a quarterback. So, you know, typically that's where we go. We look under center to see the guy, see the headline guy. You look at any team in the National Football League. But I do think it's pretty interesting if you look at, you know, certain faces. Like Sony Michelle, a leader, is a, uh, in a position that is high profile. He is somebody who I think could be a star right out of the shoot here. I mean, he's getting Alvin Kamara, you know, comparisons right out of the gate here. You know, maybe it's a little bit of a Deion Lewis factor, too. If he's able to burst on the scene like Alvin Kamara did during his rookie season with the Saints last year, and he all of a sudden becomes this vocal leader, then he could become a... Rob Gronkowski-like, Julian Edelman-like face on this team. And who knows, maybe the same case could be made for Braxton Berrios out of Miami. He's another one who is a figure, a captain, and he feels like he's Danny Amendola 2.0. You know, he's, he's one of those gritty kind of, you know, slot receivers that goes late in the rounds that nobody really has ever heard of. He had one good season his senior year, and the Patriots draft him in like two years. He'll end up being like the next, you know, next great wide receiver for the New England Patriots because that's usually how these things go. And he was a captain and one of those guys. So I think that that's something that you can look at. On the defensive side of things, I'm still waiting. I still think that that needs to maybe be the next linebacker, the elite linebacker that comes in. And overall, they do have some young guys on that team like Trey Flowers who can ascend into leadership roles along with Dante Hightower and the rest of those guys. So I'm not worried about it more so on the defensive side in terms of a leader on this team. Well, the Patriots had to keep plugging a lot of holes. I know any time a team goes to the Super Bowl, but especially the Patriots, everyone plucks away at their roster in free agency, and nothing was different for the New England Patriots this offseason. And just to refresh, you did mention all these names, but Danny Amendola, Nate Solder, Malcolm Butler, and Deion Lewis all signed with new teams this offseason. Did the Patriots do enough in the, in the draft to replace all the players they lost in free agency? I think that was exactly their draft strategy, to be honest with you. I mean, you look at the needs for the Patriots going into it. And for myself, I was writing about it a ton. They need a linebacker. They need an elite linebacker. You know, use their 23 overall pick on Leighton Vander Esch or, 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 you know, Rashad Evans or one of those guys. And then identify tackle later on, whether it's Colton Miller. I know he went, obviously, sooner than that. But you get somebody like that at number 31 overall for the tackle position. And then maybe in the second round, you're looking at Kyle Aletta, Luke Falk. That's what you're doing for the Patriots. What they ended up doing was they looked at Nate Solder leaving while they drafted Isaiah Wynn. They saw Deion Lewis leave while they drafted Sony Michelle. Well, they saw Danny Amendola leave while they drafted Braxton Berrios. They saw Malcolm Butler leave. They drafted Duke Dawson in the second round. That was their approach. They were replacing the free agents. They really were not looking at increasing certain talent levels at certain positions or finding a quarterback of the future. It was replacing the guys that got them to a Super Bowl last year to replenish that Super Bowl roster like you were just talking about. Teams pick teams apart when they get to the Super Bowl. And so what they were doing was we're just going to fill these roles again. And now I don't know if all of these guys will play up to the level of what their predecessors were, but at the same time, the Patriots recognize that's a huge need. And not only that for the tackle spot for Nate Solder, but they did go out and trade for Trent Brown for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. They gave up their third-round pick for him, along with drafting Isaiah Wynn. So they were trying to address all of these free agent losses, and that was their draft strategy. And even if you want to go a step further, they traded a sixth-round pick this year's draft for Jason McCourty with the Cleveland Browns. So they're going after replacing Malcolm Butler and Danny Amendola and Deion Lewis and Nate Solder. That was their draft strategy with all of their capital this year. 
The Patriots are building and gunning for a third straight Super Bowl appearance and a fourth in five years. In order to make that happen, that depth chart's going to need to be airtight, though. When you look at the roster as it stands today, where do you see a weakness or at least an area of concern? Well, I think one of the areas of weakness is kind of what I already mentioned, the linebacking unit. I mean, yes, they do have some depth like, you know, Dante Hightower, great linebacker, you know, one of the best in the NFL, in my opinion. Then they have Kyle Van Noy, and then things start to kind of go off a little bit. You know, you obviously have some kind of niche players, like the guys they drafted, too, like Jerron Bentley. You have uh, Christian Sam kind of in their own respective spots, whether it's more athletic, stopping the run, kind of like Landon Roberts. You know, and then Harvey Longy, who is a guy that was a rookie last year, obviously was in a car accident, and he's coming back this season, reportedly fully healthy. But those are like niche guys. You know, in certain situations, they'll be great, but... I don't know if you can put, you know, you can't put a Landon Roberts out in coverage. I don't think you can put Bentley out in coverage. Like, you'll get burned every single time. So, to me, you kind of need some help there. And the elephant in the room is that Dante Hightower is usually pretty good to miss, like, two games a year at least. Or it's a season-ending injury, kind of similar to Rob Gronkowski to some degree. You have to kind of hold your breath with that kind of a player. And if you lose him, well, you saw what happened in the Super Bowl. You lose a huge leader, and all of a sudden things start to have a domino effect. Yeah, you can't have a guy on the edge or you can't have a guy as a middle linebacker. So all of a sudden, a domino effect starts to come in and you're less talented because of it. All right, those phone lines are officially open. You've been patiently waiting, fans, but now's your chance to ask Tyler anything. Please give us a call. 615-422-5240 is the number. We will have Tyler available for the next few minutes to take calls before we have to wrap up the show. In the meantime, I'm going to jump into the comment section right now while we're waiting for someone to ring, and I'll ask you some of the questions that we have from there. Charles is questioning your decision to identify Dion Lewis as a leader. Well, someone had to lead that running back unit. Well, it's, it's, there's always a lead by example kind of guy. And yes, James White was the guy who came out and, you know, was the stud in the Super Bowl. But you have to remember that Deion Lewis was coming off a torn ACL the year previous, kind of was still coming back from that. It usually takes a year for most guys, unless you're Julian Edelman, you're a freak, and you just are able to come back, you know, reportedly ready to go for Super Bowl 52 if he was eligible. But no, I think Deion Lewis, were you watching last year? The probably the most electrifying player. It doesn't have to be one of those guys who is vocal and screaming on the sidelines, but doing what he was able to do with the opportunities that he was able to have with the ball in his hand, that's a lead-by-example kind of a guy. And, and he was the most electrifying player on special teams in the kick return, whether it was in the passing situations or just getting the handoff from Tom Brady. He was a guy that was producing each and every time he got the ball. So to me, he was a lead-by-example guy. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. If you have a question for Tyler, please call in now. Our number is 615-422-5240. If you'd like to ask something about Tom Brady, his future with the New England Patriots, or maybe the future of some of these young guys they just brought in via the draft and undrafted free agency, Tyler is all yours for the next few minutes. In the comment section, I've got a comment here from Doug that says, Super Bowl again this year. Who's going to stop him? Let's turn that into a question. Who is yeah, most likely well, team I mean, stop. seriously, I mean, in the AFC, you know, the, I, am a, I am concerned about one team in the AFC and really one team only, and it's not the team you think. It's not the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the Houston Texans. That team scares me. That team is legit. We talk about health with the Patriots. Obviously, that's a factor with the Houston Texans, with Deshaun Watson coming off the torn ACL and, J, and, and J.J. Watt coming off his season-ending injury. Those are huge question marks. But if they're right, you have a legit defense that almost beat you with Brock Osweiler a few years ago. 
and now you're adding what looks like a very special quarterback in Deshaun Watson. You face him week one. That's a marquee matchup right out of the shoot that could have bi-week implications, number one seed implications. That team has the defense, has the head coach, in my opinion, and Bill O'Brien, and now seemingly has the quarterback. If they get things right, that to me is a team that could get in the way of them bidding for another Super Bowl appearance. But if they get there, if they get to the Super Bowl, if they get down in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53, you might be looking at a rematch of Super Bowl 52 with the Eagles. I mean, they loaded up again this offseason. And, oh, by the way, they're getting a guy named Carson Wentz back. I know we're kind of you know scared of the ghost of Nick Foles, which is still on the roster. But Carson Wentz, arguably the MVP of the league last year, at least contending with Tom Brady. That, to me, is a team that's going to be tough. I like the Patriots on any given Sunday, but it's going to be difficult with those two teams if you see them. Again, our number is 615-422-5240. If you have a question for Tyler, please give us a ring. In the meantime, I'm checking the comment section. We've got him here for a few more minutes, so I do want to get your questions to him as fast as possible here. Joseph in the comment section says, Face it, Kraft made a heart decision with going with Brady over Garoppolo and a bad business decision. Is this true? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I, I tend to agree, but I like, don't fault him at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? There, there is a fine line there. Like, I understand your decision for wanting to keep Tom Brady. I understand that he has made this franchise really billions of dollars. I mean, you got to remember when Kraft bought the team, they stunk. They were terrible. The Patriots were, you know, back in the heyday, they were like the laughing stock of the NFL. I mean, they were a bad football team, a cursed football team. All of a sudden, they draft Drew Bledsoe. Bill Parcells comes in. Momentum starts to shift. All of a sudden, Bill Belichick comes in. And all of a sudden, you strike lightning like 15,000 times in one spot by drafting Tom Brady at 199 overall. Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. And then all of a sudden, here we go. We're winning Super Bowls left and right. That, to me, is just an unbelievable story for Robert Kraft. And, and to not only watch it, but to live it and to own it. It's hard to let something like that go. I mean, I, we, I think as Patriots fans and followers, we can understand that. But from a business standpoint, from the Bill Belichick school of cold hearts, you had to make the decision for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that to me was, it could be something that could really damn this team, not in the next three years, because you're going to still contend for Super Bowls. But when Tom Brady's retired and Jimmy Garoppolo's still getting to NFC Championship games or making the playoffs and doing well with the San Francisco 49ers, you're going to have a weird feeling in your gut saying, man, I wonder what it would have been like if we could have just stuck with, stuck with that guy. And, and really, it's an impossible decision to make. But yeah, do you take 10 years with Jimmy Garoppolo as opposed to three with Tom Brady? It's a tough call. I don't really fault him on it. I see both sides. But yeah, no, if you want to go for the long game, which Robert Kraft obviously does, because he owns the team and Bill Belichick does what's best for the team, not just for a given year, but for the long haul. Yeah, you might have wanted to go with Jimmy Garoppolo there. It's a tough call. No cutting, no kidding. It is a tough call deciding between winning now and winning later, especially when you don't remember what losing is like, like Patriots fans. That's true. Jim, That's very true. Jim in the comments section says, what will the future be for Julian Edelman with the Patriots? Yeah, I think Julian Edelman, you know, yeah, he's coming off the torn ACL. Good for him. He did have a contract extension before this, so it's not like he was kind of like a lame duck out there coming off a torn ACL with no team or really no kind of leverage to get a new contract. He'll still be on this team. I think he's actually going to be, a, a, you know, surprisingly good. He strikes me as one of these guys that just comes off a torn ACL and you don't really know that he was coming off a torn ACL. He just strikes me as one of those players. Like, it, you know, sometimes the narrative is that, 
oh, well, it takes a year, really in year two post the surgery, they come back and they're back to their normal selves. I don't know. To me, Julian Edelman seems like one of those special cases. He comes back right out of the shoot. And really, the Patriots kind of need it. I mean, really, you are looking at either some new faces or some rookies that are going to be in that offense. And you need Julian Edelman to come up and be his regular self there. And I really have no doubt about that. All right. I don't know what's got the Patriots fans so lockjawed, but it doesn't seem like we're going to get any phone calls maybe next time on Patriot Ways. But let's get your final take on this poll before we wrap up the show. Again, we asked fans at the beginning of the show, is Tom Brady underappreciated? Many of you gave mixed responses. In the poll, we had 97 votes right now saying, yes, Tom Brady is underappreciated. Only 21 saying that, no, he is not underappreciated. Although those no voters, pretty loud in the comment section. Tyler, your final take on this poll and the result. Well, I guess I'm going with a minority here. I, I do think that, you know, to some degree, Tom Brady has a case. But if you watch him over the course of these last few months here, where it's the cryptic messages, very similar to Rob Gronkowski with his cryptic tweets. He has the eerie ending to Tom Burr's time, and all of a sudden he's doing interviews with Jim Gray, pleading the fifth and all that. Listen, dude, they traded Jimmy Garoppolo like we were just talking about, the guy that could have been their quarterback for the next 10 years because they believe in you. Because it's a ring endorsement of you. They go to the NFL draft clearly needing a quarterback. They don't take one until the seventh. And you know what they do in the first two rounds? They give you an offensive tackle because you lost one. They give you a go-to weapon in the running game in Sony Michelle. Even in the later rounds, they give you Danny Amendola 2.0 and Braxton Berrios. They're doing everything in their power to make sure that you are, one, upright, and two, have guys to throw the ball to, and they eliminated every single competition that could be there. What, is Danny Entling really going to scare you at night? No, please, come on. To me, Tom Brady is just a big, larger-than-life type of figure, and I think at this point he's looking at it saying, listen, I like ways that were kind of that were already established with Alex Guerrero, and he doesn't like the change, and Bill Belichick seeing it as a him-above-the-team type of situation, so he tried to nip it in the bud, and it burned him. It burned him. That's what it was with Alex Guerrero and Bill Belichick making that decision. It soured the quarterback, and really, I don't really think he has that much of a leg to stand on. I think Brady has very much a lot of, a lot of opportunity to go hang with Alex Guerrero and work at TB12. Again, for those who aren't near Foxborough, it's very close. It's not that far. Just take a go-kart or a golf cart and go hang out with Alex Guerrero and train with him at the TB12 Center. That's perfectly fine. To me, I think that the Patriots are more in the right than Tom Brady. Yes, he has a case because he has five rings that he can shove in their face. But at the same time, they have a quarterback that's now off in San Francisco that could be leading that franchise for the next decade. And they're doing everything in their power to put a Super Bowl caliber team around them. I mean, what more do you want? Tyler, you make a very convincing point, and it's really hard to argue when you look at that draft class and the players that they got to help Tom Brady get to the Super Bowl for a third straight year and for a fourth time in five years. All right, Tyler, I know you're very busy and you've got a big date tomorrow. Everyone is coming into town for the 24-7 Sports Conference. Can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow and the rest of the guys. But right now, I'll let you go. Tyler, thanks for being here today. No, no problem, Kev. I'll see you tomorrow. All right, see you then. All right, we're closing things out here on Patriot Ways. Thank you, everyone, for being here and joining us today. Make sure you're following Tyler Sullivan on Twitter. He's at Tyler Sully. And you can also follow me on Facebook and Twitter as well. Reach out to me. Shoot me a DM. Let's chat. NFL, Patriots, whatever you want to talk about. I'm down to chat football anytime, anyplace. 
I want to give a big shout out to uh, the video guys working hard in the uh, control room. We're here in the new studio for those of you who noticed. Yes. And so uh, everything went off without a hitch. Very glad to see that. Make sure you're liking all the posts on New England Patriots on 24-7 Sports, sharing them with your friends, and signing up for Tyler's newsletter because he's working very hard to give you the best news and the the breaking news for the New England Patriots. All right, I think that'll do it for us here in Nashville. For the video team here, A.A. Ron and Mike the Producer, Tyler Sullivan, and for 24-7 Sports, I'm Kevin Boylard. Make sure you're keeping it locked right here where we're talking your team all the time.